to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 70. And this week, um, this is the second episode of this week's, uh, this week. Our uh, first episode was with uh, Void from Gravier and uh, Nihilus, and we had talked about uh, Under a Funeral Moon. Um, so that, you know, it was a great episode. Um, but this episode is going to be a conversation I had with my friend Camden. Um, it's really sparked off um, by uh, his new uh, new project called The Black Flame Death Cult. He just released an EP called Tear You Apart, which you'll hear some of the songs from that tonight. Um, or today, or whenever you're listening to this. But yeah, so Camden is a uh, you know big supporter of... My, not only my podcast, but all the horsemen. Um, he's friends with Mike Hill and uh, uh, Evan Hopper. Uh, you know, we've become friends as well. Um, although, yeah, I haven't gotten to, to hang out in person yet. But, um, yeah, so Camden is definitely one of the extended family of the horsemen. And uh, I wanted to have him on to talk about his music. And we talk about his history with the punk scene and uh, all that kind of stuff. And, um yeah, definitely going to have him back on again, uh, particularly to get into like horror movies and other stuff that we share uh, mutual love in. And I figured this was a good time to put out this episode as well because it's the beginning of the, the Halloween season and uh, Camden is another one of the, the Horseman uh, extended family who's a huge fan of uh, Danzig and the Misfits and all stuff. And I feel like the Death, Black Flame Death Cult EP has some elements from these types of, this types of music. It's a kind of very uh cool dark punk um music with played with bass and uh has this really dark awesome vibe to it so uh yeah hope you guys enjoy it um and yeah i definitely appreciate camden for his support of the podcast and uh all our ventures and everything so i just wanted to tell you say that as well so yeah so hope you guys will enjoy this episode uh, before I get into it, obviously, I'm going to do the, uh, the rundown, uh, all the plugs. So, like I said, I'm part of a uh, gang of podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse. Uh, every other Monday is Brandon Legion with Horror Wolf 666. Um, I'm going to be recording an episode of Brandon here soon for a uh, kind of ongoing series that I'm going to do with different, different guys. Um, so, yeah, so... Well, uh, more news on that later once I get the episodes in the bag with uh, my first two guys. Probably be Mike Hill and Brandon. I'm trying to get Evan on. But yeah, we're gonna be. Uh, it's going to be um, entirely about uh, guitar stuff. So uh, guitar nerd <laughs> talk about uh, gear and uh, tone and all that kind of stuff. So looking forward to that because Brandon is definitely uh, all about his, uh, his sick... Um, you know, fuzzy doom tones and all the stuff like with his bands. And so, yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, then Tuesdays, you have everything. On, oh, sorry, Tuesdays, you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt, the best metal podcast out there. Jackie and I literally just recorded an episode about uh, Nevermore, which will be out in uh, November. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys uh, will enjoy that episode. I enjoyed talking to Jackie as always and particularly talking about Nevermore which is one of our favorite bands. Wednesdays, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. Um, and again, Mike and I do our series Darkness Weaves, split across uh, Solnox and uh, Everything Went Black, all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. Uh, 
and I'm also having Mike on. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing a few things. Like I said, we're going to do that Guitar Talk episode, and uh, I think we might bring back Eldritch Tales as well for an episode here and there. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, then Thursdays, you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Fridays, you have uh, artists formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now as Spitball Media. And on uh, on uh, Intermediate Times, you have uh, Cheyenne from Trivax with Iblis Manifestations. And Trivax just released a new album, which uh, everybody needs to listen to. Ella Burns Out. Um, highly recommend. And that, that leads into uh, what's coming out this Sunday is indeed a conversation I had with Cheyenne. Um, we kind of talk about the album somewhat, but the, the conversation goes wide, gets into a lot of different stuff. Um, so yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, don't, you know, we get into to modern life and uh, a lot of different things in the episode. So uh, yeah, uh, stuff that's pretty pretty um, similar to what he talks about on, on Iblis. Should be hopefully trying to do something with him uh, um, on Iblis here soon. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I uh, haven't been on yet, so it would be great to have to be on. I had him on last year, about a year ago. It's funny that I've been having a lot of people coming on like a you know, year after their previous um, time on. But, yeah, so check out Ella Burns Out in the meantime. And, uh, yeah, look forward to hearing Cheyenne and myself discuss a bunch of things on uh, this episode on Sunday. And, um, yeah, and you can follow everybody on social media. You can follow me um, at either my name or on Instagram at Denver Underground Radio, which is downline radio station. I run with my friend Ken. Um, we have shows live every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time uh, or 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Show on Tuesday is called Darklands. It's black metal, death metal, dark ambient. The show on Thursday is called The Episode's Room. And it's a uh, dark wave, goth, um, post punk stuff like that. Like I said, you can tune in live um, at DenverUndergroundRadio.com, or you can follow us on social media on Instagram, and you can see all our set lists and get links to our Spotify playlists of the shows. And uh, yeah, and that is also kind of the landing page for the podcast as well. I post all the podcasts on there as well. Um. And finally, I have a Patreon called uh, patreon.com forward slash Soul Knox Podcast. $2 a month, and you get uh, two to four bonus episodes a month, um, which is definitely... I had a couple months where I was a little behind on episodes, but uh, they're all going to be coming out. Um, so pretty much probably the same day this is going up, uh, there should be an episode on Patreon going up about uh, continuing my Dracula series. We're hitting the horror of Dracula and Brides of Dracula, my friend Joe Salino. So, yeah, all the J episodes of Joe are for some reason, yeah, they're like some of the highest uh, listen, but you can only listen to this one on the Patreon. And he's going to come back and do uh, um, Taste the Blood of Dracula and Scars of Dracula with me. The next one I should be doing with Matt Prizo, talking about uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave, Grave, and Prince of Darkness, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. So, yeah, it's Hammer Madness on uh, Patreon. So, uh, let's see. So, I guess we're going to go ahead and we're going to kick off this uh, this episode with the... We'll just start with the first song on uh, Tear You Apart, which is Your So Miserable. 
All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoy, and um, yeah, hail Satan. podcast cam thanks for having me carl let me let me start off by saying it is a high honor to be on your show i really was quite flattered when you asked if i wanted to come talk so this this is cool for me it's a big deal no i don't know of course dude i mean you're all not only because you're always you know big supporter of of everything the horseman does and all that stuff but it's like you you mean you're very prolific with your music as well and you have this new project uh um, that you're coming out with, and I wanted to have you on and talk about it. So you know, <laughs> yeah, man, it's 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 always so funny when like you put art out into the world and it's received in any way, right? Whether it's a positive reception or a negative reception, it's it's just always funny when a little creation gets any amount of attention, and it's it's really cool. Yeah, I mean. Like I've definitely released stuff into the void where, you know, nobody gave a fuck. You know, what I mean, there's a release that you're like, yep, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, I've even, stuff, but, you know, I, why did I put that out? I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I've released stuff where it's like, you know, like, but I. But that's part of part of the problem too of nowadays with social media and stuff like that with, uh, um, uh, like like wait, um, once once I got rid of like MySpace and stuff like that, when you switched to like Facebook and everything, I remember, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, you know, putting out some music, like at my, my project Warlock and stuff. And it's like, probably more people listen to that now because of me talking about it on the podcast than people did when I released all that stuff, because it's like, you know, you try to build an audience way, way, how you can, but it's like almost impossible on Facebook. You know what I mean? And, and everything. So it's like, yeah, juggling the social media is funny because, you know, I get very minimal uh, interaction or engagement rather on Facebook. Um, like for my my hair salon, I had a page for it, but I was just posting things into the void. You know, it was just it would no likes, no comments, nothing. So I was like, all right, well, maybe Facebook's kind of a dying format. But um, with MySpace, you know, back in the day, MySpace, I thought was actually pretty great. You could build your band page, you put your top songs, you got your comment section. People could, you know, say what they wanted about the about the songs. And I just wish I actually had um, my high school band 
albums. I had a band in high school called Group 36. We had two albums and a handful of demos. And uh, I've grown up in Alexandria, Virginia, Mount Vernon, Virginia. And uh, we were like kind of the token street punk band for the area. You know, DC had his thing going on. But uh, we were high school kids with, you know, the big Liberty Spikes and the jackets. And, you know, we had the look. And we were really spoiled because there was this club out here called Jack's nightclub and for whatever reason, the owner just really vibed with it. We really, and anybody that came through of like kind of punk and punk adjacent stuff, he'd call me. So at a very early age at 17 and 18, I'm opening for uh, the misfits, the super suckers, the exploited total chaos, agent orange. And just the list goes on and on and on. I'm, meeting these idols that i grew up listening to and just in complete disbelief and uh that club shut down a number of years ago but it was easy for us to have this following and we yeah. were really but i don't have any of that stuff i you know i would love to put it online stream it and whatever but um yeah i moved around a lot in my teen years just being a knucklehead kid and just lost everything I, I'm, I'm sure there are flyers and cds out there somewhere but yeah that'd be yeah do you know any the old members in the band still or yeah yeah i'm actually really tight with uh all, all my buddies from back then you know it's the only thing that split us up was just you know some of these guys hit hit of age and they went to college and um right. my drummer leo he still lives in richmond and he he's part of like a lot of noise projects that are really good um but I don't think he has any albums either. I'll have to ask him. I know he has some flyers. So it'd be cool with hands with old miss flyers. That could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, you should see if any of them have uh, have anything. Maybe maybe somebody has something like lying around, you know? You yeah. Know. Like yeah, uh, I might listen to it and change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in your head, you're like, man, we were great. And then you listen to it back, you're like, oh. <laughs> I don't know what we were. <laughs> well, but yeah. It was- Cool, man. Like just having uh, that early, that that early era of being such a young teen, and you know, getting all this, you know, this following, it goes to our head a little bit. You know, we were kind of knuckleheads for a little while there, but you know, seventeen, eighteen, who isn't? Right. Yeah. We we're definitely dumb back then. The uh, yeah, that that time period. I I feel like. Uh, I mean, like. Um, either if you're a local band like that, you could probably build more of an audience than now. And also like, if, like with like MySpace, like that's, that was the route I went because I was pretty much on my own. So I just made my own music and put it out there. And it wasn't very, I mean, I look back on some music I put out when I was 18, 19, like my first black metal stuff. I don't think it was very good. But for some reason, a lot of people liked it. And, uh, and I had kind of built a following, which I kind of self-destructed when I got a little bit older for, for various reasons. But, um, Oh yeah, yeah. I was good at that for a long time too. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but but in my, you know, in the MySpace era, you like, you know, you could build an audience. I mean, you, I I still have friends to this day that I met, you know, back in the early two thousands through MySpace, and we're still friends. And you know what I mean, like. Dude, that's still... the like social media. You know, it's kind of like you and I, right? It's like I have people that I, on a more regular basis through Instagram. And, uh, you know, and uh, Facebook and stuff than I do in real life. I mean, part of that is just having a 
schedule, you know, have, having the hair shop, having the band, having kids. And then, you know, somewhere in there, we got to, you know, make sure the wife's happy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like having this, uh, this ability to connect with new faces that, that you have a lot in common with is actually like really cool. And it's, that's the one gift I think social media has brought. There's a lot of other toxic stuff too, but you know, like I've like, for example, I started listening to Mike Hills, um, everything went black podcast when I first moved here about three years ago into my current house and, um, COVID stuff was still a little funny. And, uh, he was doing this daily walkthrough of what he was doing. And he was, he was telling it in such a way that it sounded super like zombie apocalyptic. <laughs> and he, you know, no guests. He's just like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on shutdown. I'm isolated. And he was in New York. So that was like, you know, they were hitting, getting hit with a lot of high numbers and stuff and deaths and whatnot. And uh, I would go on these jogs through the woods in Mount Vernon and listen to Mike. Right. Just recant. And, you know, Mike's Mike's got this tone to him. So he's a really he has a really good way with words and he's just telling the story. And it was just so captivating and following him a little bit. And then um, I think in the in the last year when they started building off, you know, with the rest of the horsemen and kind of following that path, I was like, man, these guys are all like really cool, man. I got to get to know these guys a little bit better. And uh Lo and behold, it's like listen to everybody's shows. Like, oh, this is this is a really cool group of dudes, and they're very real, they're very honest, and they're approachable. So it's in a lot of ways, you know, social media has uh, for me helped, you know, bridge that that music scene and those interests and such. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, that that is the benefit of uh, the thing about social media is it's like a it's a gift and a curse at the same time. You know, if you use it properly, it's it's very it's great you know like it's because of social media and, and everything that you know i get to that i become friends with mike hill and and, and jackie and brandon and everybody and you know like starting the podcast and getting to know like everybody else like you and everybody like um which has been great like because um you know for a long time i've been kind of like in a you know you're just in your like little bubble of like you know you're saying you've you know i have my, my friends i've known for 15 years and then uh it's pretty much it you know what i mean you have a couple other friends here and there and you're kind of like and now like now i've kind of made it's been really nice to to get to know like people a lot of different people and you know get to know some people better that that i knew before by had just like having them on the podcast um like people like nas from alcleese and stuff and like so yeah that's one of the great things about doing the podcast i found is that i'm like well this is like probably one of the more successful things i've ever done ironically yep. and, and and then it, that helps out actually my other other things you know <laughs> yeah and it's you know it's uh it's really funny when you see pages on social media with like bikini girls that have you know thirty thousand followers and they're not really providing any real material with intellect or real interest it's like all right, you've got your bikini picks and your workout picks, but then you go to <laughs> go to your like the Solnox page and you're like, oh, you guys are like going on these deep dives of uh, various religions and books and like really thought provoking stuff. And, you know, I want to get to know the people Carl's talking to. Let me check them out. Um, it's like that to me is more 
valuable. And, you know, but you got to have, I guess you have to have dessert with your dinner too, you know? <laughs> I guess, I guess most people like dessert better than dinner though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I guess, but um, yeah, it's been really fun. And, you know, it's, it's easy to feel like, especially, especially like as I get older, you know, I, where I live, I'm so removed from like DC. I'm about, you know, maybe 20 minutes from DC, but I'm tucked down here in Mount Vernon in the woods. And, uh, you know, when I go to work in Arlington, by the time I get home, I don't want to leave. So it can feel a little bit isolating at times and you kind of get in your own head and, you know, you start to second guess yourself on a lot of things. But when you start to reach out and talk to people like you guys, it reminds, it reminded me that, you know, you're, you're not alone out there. You have this capability to talk to other people. You know, for me, it can be like, you know, when I'm at work, I have my work persona, you know, I'm still very much myself, but you know, my clients are getting a different version of me than like my kids get, or then, you know, my people that attend my concerts, they get, you know, you wear all these different hats. Yeah. So you work, you go to home, go home, go to the gym. It can feel like very cyclical and kind of mundane after a while. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to know that there are, other people you can talk to like Brandon's really fun. He, um, he engages a lot with everything and it's so funny. It's like, I love the shows so much and like the music you all make, I have no problem reposting it and, you know, being a cheerleader, but he, like, you guys are always so good, especially Brandon, you know, he's like, Oh man, so grateful. And he's like, you know, thank you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah funny, simple. What a simple repost can do for somebody, you know, it gives you a little smile. It's like, oh, that's cool. Other people dig what I'm doing. And um, that's what's fun. Like, if you follow a band that you're really into, even if they don't really look at your stuff, they they follow you back, you know, on Instagram. Right. I always thought, when I first signed up, Doyle it was, like, one of the first profiles I followed. And he followed, he followed me back. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> He's got, like, a million followers. But that's good you know, that's, that's a real artist just kind of, they kind of got it from the jump, you know, like, well, you, yeah. You look at guys like, you know, particularly misfits back in the day, they were always like, uh, you know, had time for the fans, you know what I mean? Like yeah. even Danzig, I mean, that's something a lot of people don't realize Danzig, even to this day, probably if you ran into him and you're a, a cool person, which I know from experience, cause I've run into him one time before one of his shows. I mean, he's cool. You know what I mean? He's not going to be an asshole just because you're a fan of his. You know what I mean? Like, because back in the day, yeah. they were definitely not that way at all. And I don't think he really is now. He's just like probably going to treat you like an asshole if you're an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's an interesting point with the social media personas is um, people think that they know somebody in a very literal sense because they follow their page and they like their pictures. And they're like, oh, I know what Carl was doing today. I know who and what Carl is because I follow his page. And someone like Danzig has retained a bit of mystique about himself, even with the, the social media pages. And people will hear whispers of something that may have occurred you know, at one point or another, something he said. And then they go into this attack and like, oh, he's an asshole. He's this or he's that. It's like, well, when did you talk to him last? Yeah. Oh, I don't know him. It's like, oh, well, and then 
people, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, Lemmy, you know, Motorhead has a song. I think it's in Born to Raise Hell. He says, you don't know unless you were really there. You know, like, yeah. Like, you know, you're not going to know what any one situation was just listening to rumors unless you were actually there. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> but, like, you know, that's one of the things that I think is cool with, uh, you know, I used to think it was really geeky that I cut hair. And, um, you know, I've been cutting hair since 2006. But in doing that, like, I've met a lot of really cool people. Um, one of the girls I used to work with, she had a connection with the 930 Club. And, uh, you know, she was like, hey, you know, we've got these bands coming through and sometimes they want to get their hair done before a gig or something. And I remember she brought Jack Black or not Jack Black, Jack White, uh, <laughs> the, the singer into um, the shop. And, you know, I had only I wasn't familiar with him at all. I remember seeing some of his music videos and just thinking, yeah, this, you know, he's not for me. It's not my music. But uh, he walked in and, you know, this guy had a had an energy about. And he's like about half a head taller than me, twice as wide. He's wearing this like tight fitting sweater. And he was like jacked, you know, <laughs> and uh, he looked at me. He's like, what's up, man? I was like, oh, shit, that's that's that fucking Jack White guy. And he sits down next to me, looks at me head to toe. And he's like, I like your boots. And he was wearing a pair of cowboy boots. I was like, yeah, I like your boots, too. And you just start fucking chatting about something so mundane like cowboy boots. You're like, oh, man, this guy's really cool, actually. I mean, you know, that he, he's good at what he does, not necessarily for me, per se. But uh, I respect the artist and I respect that guy because I actually sat down and had a conversation and, you know, got to know him a little bit better versus just looking at whatever he's posting on Twitter or, or Instagram and basing my opinion off of that. And then fast forward, you know, many, many years later, um. I honestly don't remember how the conversation started, but I know I reached out to Mike and I said, Hey, you know, touring bands that come through the area, I like to hook them up. You know, this might sound a little geeky, but you know, quick, quick haircut, shaves, whatever you need. You know, I bring all my kit to the venue and he was like stoked. And, uh, you know, I've only known this, mysterious character of mike hill from you know his his black metal albums and you know his pictures he's very black and white with his hood up you know it's like oh man this guy's gonna be he's gonna be very intimidating you know <laughs> and uh went up to talk to him at hell in the harbor and he just comes rolling right up man full embrace he's like what's up you know and i was like oh man i thought this was gonna be like what's gonna happen <laughs> I'll play the cool guy role, but you know, we he took me through the venue and we went back to some boiler room and uh sat down and we talked very candidly, you know, and, uh, about life, relationships, and all that stuff. And we've been we've been good buddies since then, you know. And uh, you know, it's I think I'm gonna link up with him, uh try to link up with him this weekend at the Danzig show. You know, that's gonna be busy, so hopefully we can make it happen, but um you know, it's ever since then, still texting, still messaging, still talking. And you have this, I had this image of this guy in my head, you know, it's kind of like when we were kids and you look at pictures of Henry Rollins, you're like, who is this dude? What's he going to be all about? And then, you know, you meet him and it's, it's awesome. Right. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, like, I, 
uh, super intimidating, like sitting down here, even talking to you. Cause I'm like, man, Carl has a lot of people on this show that are a really big deal. He just talked to my homie Evan for three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a long, that was a long episode. <laughs> yeah, I whenever, love. Whenever Evan on, we he can talk for for a while, you know. Because no, that that is a real dude. He's he's a salt of the earth guy. I love that guy. He um, we dragged him down here to Mount Vernon at the top of the summer, and it was just hotter than hell walking through the plantation grounds and checking things out. We're just pouring sweat, <laughs> but we were having so much fun just like linking up in person, you know, and getting to build that relationship and fast forward and he's passed out on the couch. My kids are poking him with sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a sweet guy. We took him out to, um, the Lorray caverns recently. And, uh, there's the, um, the uh, Dukes of Hazard restaurant, kind of like right around the corner from there. So it's like, and, like the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> we, we like my wife Jackie was like, "Oh, I really want to hit up like an old school diner while we're out here." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." Type in diner. We find this place and we pull up. There's a bunch of motorcycles out front. There's the that orange car that they had with the rebel flag on the roof with the police car kind of parked right in front of it. I was like, Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this is our scene. So I look at the kids. And I'm like, don't say anything. <laughs> you don't say a word. <laughs> so he and everything that you could print a rebel flag on had a rebel flag on it. Like hats, mugs, magnets, you, you name it, dude, hoodies, gloves, condoms. They had it all. On <laughs> So the middle of the building is the is the store to the right is this church hall that they built out and they were having sunday service and there was a bluegrass band shredding doing the thing and they're all holding the bibles up with one hand and their other hand is you know they're nodding their heads they're praising jesus and uh i look at evan i was like all right you don't say anything either he's i don't think that uh, we might get kicked out of here and we look at the people at the worship center and they're all in leather vests. I was like, oh, well, this explains the motorcycles. And they all had these uh, crosses on the back with the rockers said Crusaders for Christ. <laughs> oh, OK. So I see what's going on here. <laughs> so we go into the diner part. That's basically just like a truck stop, like stop and go kind of thing. And uh, Evan gets this pork sandwich. I can't remember what I had. The kids each got something. And uh, poor Evan is eating this basically a salt lick. Oh, no. <laughs> he goes, this is the saltiest thing I've ever had in my life. And the poor guy is like turning red because it's so salty. He's just like every ounce of water in his body just got absorbed. <laughs> oh, no. But you know what? Nobody gave us a hard time. We... You know, we were polite and we left and uh yeah, I don't I don't know if Evan'll let me drag him to any more adventures anytime soon, but that was <laughs> quite a scene. <laughs> Is it adventures in the south, right? <laughs> I was honestly really surprised. I was like, man, this is uh we went back in time. Yeah, that's interesting. That's weird. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's why, yeah. there's, a lot, there's probably a lot of places like that, you know, if you go through the parts of the south, you know what I mean? Like, like you get off the you have beaten road, there's still there's still like a lot of that kind of kind of stuff going on, you know what I mean? Well, that's like, uh, you know, again, touring in a punk band in high school, you play the, the weirdest places, you know, no one knows are, but we'll play in like a gymnasium in Lancaster, PA. And fill the place, wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder. Everybody comes out to see the punk rock band, and then we'll play. I remember specifically this place called Cookies Restaurant in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And you pull up, and it's like you, the eyes are on you, and yeah. you can, you know, the eyes are burning in the back of your head, and there's this air of hostility, like anything could pop off at any moment, you know. And I'm. 18 with foot tall Liberty spikes and leopard print skinny jeans. I weigh about a buck 20 soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> my drummer, he's like stressing out. Cause he's, you know, he's even half my size with like, you know, he looked like Kurt Cobain. He had long blonde hair and flannel. And, uh, you know, so you play these places that are like looking back. I'm like, that was absolutely terrifying. I had no business being there. And everyone is standing there watching the show with their arms crossed blank stare on their face but they're they watch the full set of us hopping around on stage and doing our thing and then they're like okay that's that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it was very uh that movie the green room yeah dude that hit home so hard because we've played places like that and i was like it felt like i was watching a documentary like this <laughs> where you you walked uh, in, nope. you're like, I think we're in the wrong place here. Uh, there's swastikas here. <laughs> Grab you by the shoulders and sit you down. They're like, no, you're in the right place. You sit on down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall anybody losing their fingers to uh, any machetes or anything, but there was definitely some situations there. Uh, we should have gotten in the van and just kept on going. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, you know, back in the day, particularly in your book in, if you had like that 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 Bible thing or whatever, you know, like where you're, you don't know, it's just a number and a place. You don't really know anything about the. Yep. It's like, oh, can we book a show here? Like, yeah, sure. And you show up, you're like, oh, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and back then, we thought we had it good because you could print directions from MacQuest. I was like, oh, dude, this is so easy. And obviously, it's like before cell phone stuff, where you could still go online and at least print out the actual directions. Like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> My buddies that were torn before that, they're like, no, you had to like have your little black book with all the names and the promoters and the kids that were booking the shows. And you, you'd, you'd enter the town, pull over, find a phone. I was like, man, this is, this is, this is a lot of work, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They you had to have like maps for like everywhere. Yeah. I mean, now you punch it in your phone, you've got five different navigational apps that can tell you different ways to get there and the quickest and whatever but yeah i forget what, what movie i was i was like a horror movie i was listening to a podcast about and they mentioned like uh in part of it they open up the glove box and all these maps fall out and they're yeah. going to something that people like like kids nowadays won't understand <laughs> yeah we'll have to hold on to that for uh when the when the world falls apart and the internet goes down yeah that's the thing people need to still need to know how to read a map like yeah. Don't. What happens if your phone goes down? You're fucked. Right. Yeah. I think if the uh, if the internet goes down as a whole, 
we've got bigger problems on our hands than not being able to navigate the roads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> roaming, roaming cannibal tribes and whatever else. <laughs> whatever else goes on. Yeah. But it's like I think our apocalyptic scenario would look much more like Garth Ennis's crossed versus like uh, The Walking Dead or something. Yeah, I've always um, had this. My prediction for the future, which I had on a while ago, is um, essentially like a return to neo like corporate feudalism. So it'd be like oh. uh, basically the corporations just take control over everything, you know, and they create like these little like enclaves of places where you, you basically sell your sell yourself to the corporation and they provide you, you know, you know, like this like kind of like castle type of, you know, you know, what I mean, you're like living in like this kind of like uh uh gated like kind of areas right where they're like yeah if you sell yourself to the corporation then you're like basically like we'll give you peace right or you can live outside in the wilderness and you know outside they'll just be roving you know gangs and shit who yeah yeah total yeah Yeah. but uh, i I honestly think you'll have like because of the separation of of wealth in this country you're going to have like a situation where certain enclaves of high wealth will still be, you know, basically creating like neo-feudalistic societies essentially, but around corporations. Uh, that's, that's probably more realistic than anything because, you know, you kind of, especially where I'm at, like, I really feel that, you know, it's uh, like where I'm at, but, you know, everybody's doing okay. There's nothing really going on here, but you drive five minutes down the road and every stoplight has homeless people at it people sleeping in bus stops and then you go another 30 minutes up the road to Arlington. It's kind of like, you know, young 20 somethings, young professionals out exercising and everyone's all smiley and happy. And it it feels really Truman show at times, but it's like, you know, you read about this like widening birth between the haves and the have nots. And then they, it's funny because like my inner conspirator likes to get worked up sometimes and you start talking about like the COVID shots and they're like, well, you can come into the venue if you have your COVID shot. You don't. Right. And you're, you're, you're one of them. You're not one of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that kind of bullshit. Yeah. 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 You've got, got the, uh, the elites out there flying in their private jets saying, you know, the working class man really needs to scale back how much he's having to drive around because, you're killing the earth. I'll be right back. I got to get in my private jet and fly to six other fucking places today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shit, that shit in particular pisses me off because it's like they, uh, one flight on one of those jets does the entire, does more damage to the environment than your car for the entirety of your life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You and I work every day just to make a living is not, having nearly as much of an impact as these people bounce into the islands for vacations one weekend and you know using it as their personal taxi basically it's uh like these these fucking assholes are trying to talk down to all the working class people like that like i mean they're the problem not us you know what i mean like really like they're the ones who are polluting and doing the worst damage and you know they're the fucking i hate those people (laughs) but it seems like today there's like they're they're actually kind of making it a making an impression on society you know it's like we've been so i think people have been so divided into this like you're either with me or against me mentality 
and especially like everything just seems to be hyper political where it's like, you know, you have people that speak out of both sides of their mouths at times. And it's kind of hard to believe who's saying what, and you know, like what am I, I can't believe the person that's uh, going to eat meat, but then, you know, try to tell me to do this other thing. And it's like, everything just seems to be on such a grand scale now that, you know, if you don't agree with what I'm saying, you're going to be damned and bastardized for it. Yeah. And I, I see that in a lot of, uh, a lot of like subculture stuff right now, especially in, I mean, this is just like my, my take, like my worldview seems to be a little askew sometimes, but I feel like in a lot of ways, like the young punk scene now is like, if you're not through this, you know, gender crises, then you're not, liberal and punk if you're not this like like exaggerated version of liberal views then you're a nazi you're either way the fuck over here way the fuck over here and you know it's like well what happened to the days where we could sit down and have a conversation and you know well well, yeah now it was like you know like one of my friends my friend jack is like a first generation punk you know from the 70s right he's like my friend jack jensen and, uh, you know, he and I talk, I did an episode with him about, about the punk scene in the seventies and stuff, you know, and everything. And the whole thing of what punk was started from was the opposite of this political correct type of culture that punks become nowadays. It was about the opposite of that. It was actually anti-political correctness. You know what I mean? It's about like saying, fuck you to everybody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah. Was, and it, was- it was about challenging things, being transgressive. It was not about you know, following the line of what the Democrats are telling you that you need to think or something like that, which is what I feel like a lot of punk has become nowadays, probably since probably started in the nineties. So if I remember, you know, you had bands like bad religion and stuff who basically just sounded like Democrat, like, you know, yeah. like sounding boards, basically, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 I don't like anything. That's just kind of like recanting whatever political party that they're worshiping, you know, like, give me, give me some thoughts real world information you know i don't i don't i don't like politicians because at the end of the day they're all in it for themselves you know they can be red blue left right after a while they're all just worrying about their bottom line so yeah you know well you know like we're saying like you guys like you and i are just trying to get by and like how many more mandates are you going to have how many you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah like just leave a that's why I need to leave leave us alone, basically. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm de- I'm, a, I'm a less government type person. I'm like, you guys gonna? If I could live my life without having to deal with the government, I'd be happy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a I- great. <laughs> I can't remember when it's from, but there, there's a great interview with uh, uh, the singer from Warzone, and he's he's on some talk show with some other you know punk rockers, and they're kind of saying that exact same thing, which you know had me thinking. I'm like, okay, has this stuff just been like a slow burn for the last 30 years? Are we just watching like this was like a big picture plan that was put in play? Because all this stuff that we're talking about today, bands were talking about in the 80s. Your GBH has a song about the whole world going limp-wristed, you know, like <laughs> 35 years. It's, it's like, you know, we're just kind of watching now. I think generationally now we're at the point where it's like so magnified now. Whereas yeah. back then, you know, back then the messaging was still kind of, you know, p- kind of boiling over. And now we're at this point where we're like, you know, but, you're right. 
Yeah. Well, I think back in the day, say like in the, I do think that a lot of the issues that we have today are were started like probably in the late seventies and eighties um, yep. with like, say like the university systems and a lot of different things. Like you find out that a lot of this kind of ultra political crack stuff that's going on nowadays or the ultra far right stuff that's going on nowadays. A lot of that stuff was kind of set in motion in the eighties and just kind of grown out of proportion. But I think maybe the difference is that you probably had a, you still had people who fought in World War II still alive back then. You know what I mean? You had people who had actually right. suffered like real like fucking hardships and shit in their life. People had survived a depression. And, you know, I think that kind of influence probably keeps a little bit more uh, steady hand than nowadays where people, you have whole generations of people who never had any real hardship in their life. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And that's like, you know, why you would see guys like uh, around wearing a swastika t-shirt because the people that were fighting who were still around and, you know, the, he was trying to be as offensive as possible and turn heads and, you know, have the fingers pointing at him. But he's like, you know, not really a Nazi, but he's got this thing on his shirt being like, Oh, look at me. This doesn't really mean anything, but it's offensive to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I think if you see guys that are Nazis or it, it almost feels like they're doing it, just for the sake of being edgy and they're like, you know, Oh, I'm this, I'm this scary thing now. But you know, a lot of these guys are 800 pounds and probably couldn't chase down somebody if they wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not I mean, saying good. I'm saying the one day just seem to be almost like they're playing, playing a bit role or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't really get, get why we're, why we still have uh you know, we're almost 100 years, you know, or 80 years since the start of of World War Two, and why we still have people like yeah. calling themselves communists and people still calling themselves Nazis to this day is just baffling to me. Like, why why are we holding on to this stuff? Neither one of those things works. They're idiotic. Yeah. Let it go. Let's come up with some new, new solutions to the problems of the world instead of trying to, like, hold on to ideal systems that were built 200 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, problem too is like you're not going to have people like the common person today isn't going to sink in time to research this stuff like they think what they're saying is what they stand by and believe in but if they actually spent time reading about it and doing the research they would probably think oh well maybe the answer isn't necessarily this exact thing it's a mix of a little bit of this and this and this and then you know come up with their own solution but humans are tribalistic you know like we always want to feel like we're we're in a group. we always want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves and like we're taken care of and that's you know that's part of the um you know with any music movement right it's like punks we all stuck together and that was our thing and you know you had like these little more so in like high school, of course, you had like the metalheads, the punks, and even the jocks, right? They were, but they were all tribalistic. They had their, their like nations of what they believe in was being reinforced. Yeah. You got a little, you're a tribalistic society. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, for me, like some of that stuff, you know, especially as I got older, like a lot of that just kind of merged into, you know, I've always been one to float amongst the tribes, so to speak. You know, it's like I played a little bit of sports in high school. I sucked, 
but you know i could hang out with the the jocks no problem they probably talk trash about me behind my back which is fine but you know <laughs> they were nice <laughs> to me. and then you know uh my my early punk bands since we were so fast like we I, we got billed with a lot of local metal bands because they're like oh we want to play with these guys that you know they look and sound punk but they're they have like almost like a thrash aesthetic you know basically but um yeah i think a lot of those merging of the tribes start to blur after a while especially with like you have crossover bands from like punk into metal and you have thrash you know it's like a municipal waste those guys were punk kids and then they played metal so that you have the birth of this new thing you know and <laughs> but yeah. it's uh and that that's like uh you know even as i get older and writing music you know politics is so exhausting and i think it's exhausting on purpose like they if something doesn't make sense it's probably not meant to make sense like you ever read your mortgage book <laughs> it doesn't make sense because it's not meant to make sense no they numbers around and oh by the end of it you could have bought two houses you know but here's all the interest but you know i think after a while when i've started to see like the the politics the societal politics and everybody just seems to be uh kind of saying the same thing but with like a different soundtrack it's it's not interesting anymore no and, but that's like with um you know with my project the black flame death cult I wanted to talk about something that, uh, you know, I, I know myself and a lot of people struggle with, you know, and that is depression, thoughts of suicide, you know, the grim side of the world. Um, but musically, I'm not a, I'm not the most proficient player. So like what I know is simple punk rock stuff, you know, Ramones, early misfits, um, early agnostic front, very rhythmic, very tribalistic sounding, you know, and I like, like bass heavy music. So I can't sit down and shred on the guitar like Evan, you know, I, I can't play like Mike Hill or Evan as much as I want to. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> I sit on my guitar and I'm, you know, power chord, power chord, boom, 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 that kind of thing. And even, even when I try to do, something like that it doesn't feel organic or natural like i love i love black metal and i love hardcore punk and i love really dark imagery which is why i think a band like the misfits was like so perfect for someone like me and i know a lot of people relate to that yeah and, you know it's uh, so i was like okay lyrically i want to cover this subject but i want to have it set to like kind of kind of punk music that's fun and you can kind of bop your head to a little bit and um having this grim aesthetic at the same time i mean i'm sure it's nothing new i'm sure a lot of bands have done this kind of thing but um for me i just woke up one day and realized i was just kind of burned out on writing songs about politicians and you know rich people's issues and shit you know it's <laughs> You know, what's what's really what's really true to me. And I think, you know, people are drawn to things when they can see a realness in it. Like you can always tell something's organic, which is why we listen to a lot of the same stuff from the early era of stuff. You know, again, like guys like Henry Rollins and 
Glenn Danzig, you know, you had these guys that you could feel there was some substance there. And, you know, I look at music today and it's not necessarily for me, you know, like the machine gun Kelly's of the world and the Travis Barker's those guys have their own message. They have their own aesthetic. That's great. I can't relate to it and I don't understand it. So it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't even pretend to be that person, you know, but when I hear the lyrics to, you know, immortal or uh, some of my newer favorites, like black anvil and um, tombs, of course, and, and, and quell, like all the guys that, you know, I'm like, oh, this is like I, I like this. This is they're they're singing about things that I really am interested in. I really like this stuff, but I can't play like that. <laughs> so, what I can do is bring to only bring to the table what I can do organically. I think it's better to do to work with what you what you do. You know what I mean? Like, like I've always found that when I accept my kind of limitations as a musician and just work with it. I usually make the best songs and ironically i usually end up finding like new ways of playing stuff like but when i'm actually like, getting frustrated because i'm like oh man like you know i can't play this type of thing that i want you know to hear in my head or whatever right but sometimes you just kind of got to go with it and be like you know yeah okay i'm not that good of a player i can't just someone to play what comes naturally to me you know what i mean usually that ends up being the best best material you know rather than oh yeah and that's like um you know as as the listener you know, you hear, you just hear what's being played. You just hear that this, the song, but as the creator, you know, I'm sure you sat in front of your computer. And I think you even said this in a recent interview, you, you edit things down so much to where it's not the original thing. And then you come back to it and try to take it back to the original thing. And it's like Xeroxing the same copy over and over again. And you start over analyzing things that you're like, Oh, this isn't even, what I originally set out to make now it's something completely different. Like I would hear if I hit a wrong note in something, a listener probably not necessarily would, would hear that. Or if the timing was off kind of thing, you know, like, yeah, that definitely. Like, I mean, like, uh, and I've always, I found that some of the, some of the, like a lot of those demos I've been releasing recently, like I, a lot of those are like, you know, um, you know, a lot of, first or second takes on each instrument you know i just like wrote the song then powered through it on guitar and did the drums and then the bass the vocals almost everything's like maybe very rarely did i do more than two or three takes yeah and uh i actually think that there's something with that that is actually useful is like particularly like recording on a four track like i did before like where it's not so easy to just go and fix everything i think it's yeah. better to just go through and leave it yeah raw you know i guess that's that that kind of punk part of me where it's like you know i'm not gonna go and fix everything you know like i've I've done other stuff where i've tried to fix everything and it drives you crazy and I'm, I'm more like now i'm like back to like no it's just, just leave it raw you just power through it not no one's probably no one's gonna notice really oh yeah dude like you know? that's that, that's the artist over analytical side you know yeah. <laughs> but that's the beauty of like black metal like my my first introduction well let me preface it with this i grew up in a house with uh 
two big fans of music. Like my mom and dad love music. And middle school, I discovered this whole box of cassette tapes that my dad had in the garage. And it was everything from Gore the Road Behind to Henry Rollins Spoken Word, Social Distortion, and then like uh, Accept and Exciter and all these just metal bands and punk bands. I and my and my middle school brain is just blown. I'm like, what is all this stuff? And uh, my dad actually got really into Immortal, right. and my. <laughs> My first introduction to black metal was Immortal. I want to say uh, The Sons of Northern Darkness. Okay, yeah. 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 I know, take it or leave it, I know there's a lot of people who either love or hate them, but for me, that album holds a special place because that was something so new to me. <laughs> and I'm like, these guys are fucking terrifying. Like, they're badass. Like, what are these dudes? And of course, you know, you do you do some research and you look around and you find some more ad- adjacent kind of stuff. But, you know, to me, my my perspective as I still consider myself a very uh, new, new face into that world. Like I'm still discovering, I'm still learning. I'm st- and I, I want to come from uh, a very respectful angle when it comes to black metal, because I also understand black metal for the most part, and I might be wrong about this, but there's also a bit of a religious element of it from like a satanic side. So those, those two things tend to go hand in hand. So I I don't want to speak upon something that I don't fully understand all the way, but you know, the rawness and the pure DIY element was so beyond awesome to me like it had such a more real punk feel than a lot of the punk stuff that i found myself getting involved in yeah you know punk the the type of punk that we got involved in was very fashion based you know you got to have the big hair you got to have colors you got to have the jackets with all the spikes and the patches and the you know you got to sew your pants down so they're nice and tight you got to have the tall boots, but you got to be careful with what color your laces are. Right. You don't want to be there. I mean, that might have just been my own little world because that was like what? kind of like poor records era. When what, When was it? Like what year? It's like 02, between yeah. 2002 and like 2005. You know, so you had all the punk core records bands, you know, and you were getting signed up. You know, the labels were picking you up because you had the look first and foremost. Yeah, beginning of it, like uh, of Victor- Victory Records and good the time. That, that was that time when you had bands like Good Charlotte and stuff coming out and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. You know, you walk. We were walking around, but we looked like the guys in Good Charlotte. So like people couldn't differentiate. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're like we're punk. Those guys are pop. Like yeah, but you look the same. Go, well, <laughs> and there's that whole feud, but. <laughs> So when seeking something more real and raw, and uh, I remember listening to um, uh, the guy from Mork. Mork has a pod. The guy from Mork has a podcast or did have a podcast. Yeah, he was talking about one point having some kind of tape deck recording device, and he had like a multi hundred foot cord that he had to run upstairs into like the one outlet or something. 
like, like that stuff just sounded so cool and relatable. Cause I remember having my four track tape recorder in my room and I would buy microphone splitters so I could have up to eight tracks and putting microphones in every corner of the room and over the drum set and hearing him talk. And I was like, man, this is way more relatable for me than some of the stuff that I'm experiencing with what I thought was punk, you know, I mean, I know this is all very debatable and can, you know, be a uh, fighting words for a lot of people. Uh, I do, but I do think that, uh, that you're going to hear more stuff. That's got a punk vibe that in black metal nowadays, than like what I hear in punk coming out of punk anymore, you know what I mean? There's like a lot of, I mean, I'm not really up on like the current punk scene or whatever, but uh, you know, from what I hear, I mean, mostly I, I kind of like with the, with punk today, I'm like only interested really if it's gonna if it's like horror punk or something like non-political because I'm like I don't I'm not really I don't really care to listen to political music particularly anymore you know what I mean like I don't yeah care. I don't give a fuck about your politics you know what I mean like for the most part unless it's like unless it's about real real life politics but you know like I don't want to hear some band like just shouting like slogans at me or something you know what I mean like that's yeah that's yeah the like done that so it's like I don't. Most of the newer punk stuff that I've heard is usually like stuff like Cal Reese or whatever, you know, who's like horror punk, you know. <laughs> yeah, guys are fun. There's a there's a greater likelihood of you uh, getting hit by a car than any one single person making a big difference in politics. You know, there's 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 a much more grim side to life that is a very real thing than whatever politics are doing. You know, and that's with a lot of the punk stuff for me, like I love the, the original, like early, early era stuff, you know? Yeah. And like, even sonically, a lot of the like early two thousands punk stuff started to sound more like thrash metal. Like the, the tempos got faster and they started doing like the palm muting chugging and, you know, the Anthony stuff was there. Like, um, uh, I'm buddies with the guys, a few of the guys in that band, the casualties, and, you know, those guys got picked on a lot because they got the, the hair and the spikes and stuff. But they've really evolved their sound to they still sound like themselves, but they started to kind of, you know, at times get a little thrashy, which, you know, I appreciate because I like thrash metal. Yeah. But I the, the original the original movement is, is lost in a lot of ways, you know, whereas, um, you know, I, I hear even with some of the black metal stuff, it's like, I want it, I want it to sound a certain way, like, like to my ear, I want it to sound a certain way. And there's something about being too polished and too clean that actually takes away from the art of it. Yeah. Like it's down gritty. And that's what I'm trying to do with my thing is it's supposed to sound bad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, songs are released so far kind of give me that, uh, the real like um the vibe of like you know like say discharge and you know like those kind of recordings and you know like early black oh. metal recordings and stuff like that yeah like that kind of vibe like and you know truth be told there's like you know for upcoming bands there's or probably many bands out there there's not a lot of money behind it anymore unless you're some big you know pop phenomena but i don't i don't want to spend a lot of money making something sound grander than what it should be just for the sake of sounding big, you know, especially with the music is free. 
So if I'm going to put this thing online basically for free, you know, you're getting a free product. You know, I could spend $5,000 and have the tracks mixed and mastered by a, by a professional that does it for a living and make it sound like this auditory onslaught. I mean, also, you know, again, like that's not really what I'm going for. I want it to sound lo-fi. I want it to sound, you know, kind of, the project has actually evolved quite a bit. I remember I sent Mike and Evan early demos when I was first recording them. And I had the vocals so backed up in a, um, in a reverb that you couldn't even understand them. Like I was just, I was just it sounded almost like uh, what I was describing as like dungeon punk in a way. <laughs> but after a while, you know, my drummer's like, you know, Hey man, these songs, these songs are, are really good. And you're actually saying some, some cool stuff. Why don't we clean it up a little bit? So on the EP, they, they sound much more audible, but I know um, it started off as like this whole other mess of a thing and as as we started recording more songs like rewriting a lot of the songs they morphed it into um what you hear now right i've always found when they when they start a new project um the first you have like this the initial like impetus right that you kind of hear and you're like okay i'm gonna do this but then you kind of have to also realize that the project itself is going to take on its own momentum in a way like as it kind of comes together it's also going to reveal itself to you what it should be you know what i mean that's always been my experience like like you know with the different projects i have it's like they start off with a certain idea but as you work on it the actual like uh what it what what its particular sound and stuff starts to reveal itself you know what i mean like that's me. that's dead on actually and I, it's really funny to watch that happen because in my head I wanted to bring, I remember bringing the early demos home to my wife and I was like, listen to this mess. And, it, you know, I had at the time I, the, that first song, it was just one bass. So on the records I'm doing bass and a distorted bass and drums and vocals and gang vocals. And no guitars, no guitars. Okay, cool. Um, guitars are so outdated, Carl. <laughs> so, um, also, I really wanted that like early static age misfit sound. Yeah, it's so, all it's all bass basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, so, it also kind of gives it that uh, necromantia. They they want to use bass, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the um, I brought home this 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 song, and I was playing it for Jackie, and she had this look like, oh yeah, like okay, so <laughs> fuzz this fuzz coming out of the speakers. And I'm shouting in the background, but it's like ultra reverby. It sounds like I'm trapped in a well. <laughs> so the drums are doing their thing. And uh, to your point, though, you know, after a couple of days of listening to it, I was like, okay, this isn't what I thought. <laughs> I, I thought I wanted this, but it's actually not what I wanted. What if we rounded it out a little more, bring the vocals up front, put the gang vocals with the with the choruses uh, add the clean bass behind the distorted bass, and um, it took on a life of its own. I mean, the the actual message is the same, and like the imagery is the same, but like the sound of it kind of morphed into its own thing. And it goes back to like the organic thing. Like when I sat with the songs for a couple of days, I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't feel doesn't feel real. I feel like I'm wearing a costume. I want I want it to be Cam. I want it to sound like something that I would do." And then when we did it. 
um, it got a lot of really good response, you know, I mean, it's really cool. And, um, I don't necessarily make the music to get the good response. I definitely make the art for me first, but like I said earlier, it's always fun when someone gives you that high five and the pat on the back and they're like, yeah, dude, this is, this is cool. I like what you're doing, you know? So I remember my wife hearing the newer song, she was like, Oh, this makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it's like, you're It's kind of, um, I don't know. I think sometimes it's like, I've always thought, um, make writing music is almost like, um, architectural or, or like sculpting or something in a way, like where it's like, I'm trying to, maybe this is just part of the fact of like not being like a, uh, a, you know, accomplished musician per se, you know what I mean? Where you're like trying to like sculpt away everything until you get what you're trying to go for. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to like, you gotta, you gotta cut out the fat to get down to the meat. Yeah. Where So when it's funny too, cause like people ask me all the time, like, Oh, where do you start with the music? Cause you know, like, I guess some people start with the guitars and we we'll start with the bass nine times out of 10, I actually have a concept and like I'll, I have in my phone notes, I just have these different concepts that I want to write about. And then I'll take that concept and I'll say, okay, you know, how do I, how do I explain what's going on here? What am I talking about? Like when I posted that first image to head in a noose, Instagram actually flagged it and kept taking it out. <laughs> and then yeah. people were and they're like oh are you okay what's going on you know we see this song and i like posting the lyric cards so you can read along to when you hear the song like back in the day you'd buy an album you could read the lyrics while you listen to it yeah and uh you know so everybody was really concerned i was like yeah this is a concept i came up with and i know it's going to touch on some nerves because I, I do know people that have hung themselves and uh but i wrote that line first and then everything else just kind of came into play. And I was like, oh, what if this is like someone that's been like hiding these like these feelings. And then when they, you know, when they finally stop wearing that mask of a smile, people finally understand what was in their head when they come across their body swinging from the rafters. Yeah. Well, that, that happens a lot too, or people, uh, people that, the people are like, oh, I didn't expect them to do that. Like, they seem so happy. I mean, think of like uh, Anthony Bourdain, for example, you know, like, yeah, exactly. You know, like, I'm a big Anthony Bourdain fan, and it was like crazy when he, when he's like, they found his body. You're like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, it's interesting too, because like having kids, I try to be, um, you know, I'm very open with my, my daughters, and I, and they're on social media, and I told them, I say, you know, you're going to see me posting these lyrics, posting these songs. You should understand what I'm talking about. You know, I'm, I'm telling stories. I've got these ideas and I know society struggles with these problems. How do I bring all that together? But, you know, it's like trying to maintain the mental health of preteens as well as oneself, you know, through while putting out this type of product is a very delicate balance, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's, there's something really good about, uh, just getting it out, you know, like in a way, even oh. if you're kind of like, see, this is the thing a lot of people don't realize is that as an artist, like a lot of this stuff is symbolic in a way you're kind of, it's also about exploring certain things, you know, like I believe artists should be allowed to explore whatever they want to in music and art and mute and movies, 
books, etc. You know what I mean? And like that exploration is very important. I think you know, like this really important idea that seems to be under attack right now is the idea of like you know freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the idea that there's no thought that should be illegal. You know what I mean? That we can think whatever we. Yeah, we can explore whatever, even if it's shocking to people, you know, like you need to be able to explore these types of uh, these types of things, because if you don't, then you start repressing them, you know, and society starts repressing them. Yeah. And there's there's freedom of speech until you start saying things I don't agree with. Right. That's how that works. (laughs) But it's like, you know, like you're like I wear so many different hats with, you know, going to soccer practice and then headbanging at the metal show or going to greet my clients at the door and you know, that kind of thing. You have these different layers of oneself. So the hardest part I find for me is, uh, being able to separate myself from those worlds because like, you know, I have, I've been very lucky. I've had, you know, I've been doing hair since 06. I've amassed that little cult following. I like to call it. And a lot of these people have seen me through a lot of stuff in my life, you know, uh, birth of children, divorces, new marriages, bands. They've they've seen me kind of go through it all. So a lot of them, you know, will see my new music or whatever I'm posting up. And then they come and see me at the shop. and They're kind of like, what's going on with you? Are you okay? That's a different guy. That's a different can. That's that's a different (laughs) Yeah, they got to realize that. Yeah, I think that 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 is the funny thing is people like see certain things and they're like, or you you know, their initial thing is like, oh, it's so dark. Are you OK? You're like, well, yeah, you like, it's, yeah, it's all so, good. Don't worry about like, it, man. <laughs> you have a ring on my neck. Are you feeling OK today? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to cut my hair some really sharp things next to my head. We just want to make sure where are you in a happy place today? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing with with hair, uh, like um, like uh, I w- I was going to the same guy for a really long time, and then he finally retired because he was like, oh, wow. he was like in his sixties, and he's like, I'm going down to going down to Miami, so he just retired from everything, went down to Miami. So so nowadays I'm like trying to like cut my own hair because I'm like nervous to go to places. <laughs> like, yeah, man, you get yourself a, a a feather razor, wet it down, and just. Yeah. I can FaceTime you. I can help you through it. <laughs> the, yeah. um, yeah, that's crazy though. It's funny. Like I, I actually do, you know, I really like what I do or else I would, wouldn't do it. But, um, the idea of retirement is so beyond my mental grasp. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if there will ever be a real, like flat out retirement time. Right. Yeah. Just keep it's, on going grocery bills keep stacking up so right yeah if i was in if i was in your area i'd go to I'd go to you because i can I see I, the, your pictures and stuff i'm like okay you could do do a good job you do a good job so <laughs> hey, yeah dude you're always you're always welcome welcome to come out and hang out you know we can hang out and cut your hair and whatever i want to get evan in the chair one of these days we keep we keep teasing about he lives he lives a good like hour and a half from me but one of these days i'm going to get him get him in the chair <laughs> gonna like gonna give him a, a jason newstead type of haircut like that's a side <laughs> everything yeah he's got the uh what does evan have right now he's got like the little undercut 
kind of yeah. thing happened super long. Yeah. 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 One day happened. <laughs> you gonna try to like con- convince him to cut his hair short or No way, man. We can't have any black album stuff happening over here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you mean like uh, load? load. <laughs> yeah, load, reload. Yeah, He'll, yeah. Uh, might, might lose his powers. Yeah, they gotta. The um, yeah, because that that was load was when they cut their hair, but uh, you know, I cut my hair a long time ago. I don't like having long hair at all. I hate it. So I and I try to grow my hair out long all the time, and I always end up doing this mohawk thing. Yeah, I get like three months in. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Like, I right, you got to feel comfortable in your own skin. Exactly. Yeah, I don't. I, I had long hair for for a couple of years, and then it just started driving me crazy. And I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't like, I don't like this long hair thing. Like, yeah, yeah, it just like drove me crazy. Yeah, my brother's hair is just about to his waist. Wow. I don't know how. He, yeah, he's got. He has a really good band called Archeel. I'll send you some stuff. They're they're awesome. I'm trying to get them gigs but you know it's hard to do it's hard to coordinate with everybody right are you ever gonna try to do uh gigs with uh the black flame death cult so we we're gonna play our first show um the weekend before halloween we're gonna play a shared set with my buddies they play in a band called wayward brigade and uh every year a friend of mine that owns unbroken tattoo out in reston and he is also part of the Booze Fighters Motorcycle Club out here. They do uh, various parties. And um, <clears throat> like one of my bands played their spring party a couple years ago. And uh, he hit me up to play his Halloween party this year. So that'll be our first first gig for the Motorcycle Club. So it should be a good time. Yeah, it's pretty, it's inappropriate for the, for the project, uh, first gigs for Halloween, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's hard because... Uh, with the holidays are like they quickly approach right after that. So if I can squeak more in before the end of the year, that would be pretty cool. Um, we'll see what happens. My drummer also has a couple of kids. So, you know, once Halloween hits, it's like off to the races with holidays. Yeah. So we, my music projects tend to hang back until the, the start of a new year. Yeah. That's kind of how it works during that time of year. It's hard to, yeah, dude. It's, you know, everyone's also more busy. Like, I'm sure you get like way busier during the holidays. People coming in and get haircuts, and you know, like all that kind of stuff too. You know, like it's just it's hard to hard to do a lot in that time period. I feel like. Yeah, man, it's it's really hard, and like the DC area is so transient. So you know, people just vanish. So they'll you know, like you like you said, I'll be really busy for a while at the shop, but then everybody goes. They you know wherever they're from. And they head back and see their families and stuff. So there's n- there aren't a lot of people to bring out to shows anyway. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, dude. There's a lot of people there who work for the government who just like, oh yeah, come from all over the country, just like. In that well, area. even the the punk bands out here, most of those guys have like government jobs and stuff. So you know they they're super busy trying to wrap up before the end of the year, and they've got all this time off, so they've got to really hunker down. So. Yeah, it's it's funny. This the DC area is like very thing in a lot of ways. It used to be. I mean, obviously, like all I know really about the DC uh, punk world was you know to Discord and all that stuff from the eighties and nineties. You oh. know, like like you know Minor Threat and Fugazi and all those types of bands. So that's pretty much uh, the that's what's of my knowledge about DC. 
I see those people out all the time. You know, I pass Ian McKay on the road all the time. Um, we did a, I had a band uh, two summers ago. We did a podcast with um, Don Zentera at his studio. And it's just so funny. Cause like, yo, these guys are big names in that hardcore punk scene. And I see them. It's like, Oh, Hey, what's up, man? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's part of being, being from the same area, right? It's just like, yeah. Just walk by them. Yeah. Cause I was right, like... going to have to jump off of here. All right, brother. Well, thanks for coming on. It was great talking to you. We'll have to do it again and talk about, yeah. talk about some horror and stuff too. So I do. I would love that. Let's actually cool. make, do it. Cool. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. We'll, we'll get We'll jump on again and talk about some other stuff like horror and different things I want to talk about. So super flattered, high honor is very nice to talk with you and, and to take the time to say hi. This is really cool. This is great. And um, when does the uh, EP come out? So that's a little to be determined. We have okay. uh, still have some mixing and mastering to do, but uh, hopefully, hopefully before October. OK, cool. Awesome. That's the goal. Perfect. Very loose time. I think I'll probably release this once around the time it comes out, so people should be able to go out and pick it up when they hear this. So, yeah, yeah man, just have to let me know. Sounds good to me, brother. Perfect. Have a good rest of your day, brother. Bye, Carl. We'll talk yeah. later.